The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our return guest today, James Bean, was on uh, last week's show of NDE Radio, and before that, some two years ago. If you want to go back to our past shows button, you'll find him on the show of May 8th, 2017. James is a comparative religion scholar and a book reviewer, author, public speaker, broadcaster, and podcaster with a broad familiarity with global re- religions and spiritual traditions. He's been involved with public radio, Radio for Peace International, the Community Radio Movement, which is a station that I was on at WERU FM in Blue Hill, Maine for a while, and Wisdom Radio, where he was on for about a decade on Sirius Satellite Radio. These days, James is an independent producer currently creating programs for several stations. James, welcome back once again to NDE Radio. Oh, it's great to be here. Well, it's great to hear your voice. James, last Monday we were talking about um, uh, the show you did for Spiritually Awakening a Radio entitled Multiverses, Dimensions, and Near-Death Experiences. And we we talked a lot about uh, the mystical revelations that people have come up with in the past in, in other religions and the Eastern religions and so forth, that there are many worlds, countless worlds out there besides our Earth. But I thought this this um, show we might talk more about Earth and I what I feel is is the sacredness of our planet and uh, and how sad it is that we seem to be in the process of destroying it and crossed my mind um, everyone loves Psalm 23 in the Bible but Psalm 24 has some truth to it too let me read the, just the opening to that the Earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof is what the the King James says, but in the more modern translation, it's the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Um, so many fundamentalist Christian groups think the, the earth is just uh, the domain of the devil and it's to be as discarded as quickly as possible. They're looking for an end times. And in a way, bringing it about because of things like the burning of the Amazon uh, forest, what they call the lungs of our planet. But um, there's a lot of te- text, I think, especially, don't you, James, in, in other traditions besides the the Christian that, that see the earth as a, as a wonderful and glorious place and something to be pr- protected. It is. Uh, it is considered to be sacred and our and especially in connection with human beings since we are conscious sentient uh, intelligent beings we have the ability to choose and there's a lot of wisdom about how to behave you know ethics compassion and so even with religions that believe in illusion that the the physical world is illusion and you know or maya as as they say uh, but they too uh, teach that we should be very compassionate, and so dealing with climate change, not treating the world as a trash can, is very much in harmony 
with the, the all of the wisdom traditions, uh, east and west. You know, we should not be treating the earth as a as a trash can, even mm-hmm. if we do believe in illusion or heavens or that this is temporary and we're going to go someplace else. Uh, how we behave during this life is indeed very central, and those uh, near death experiencers. When they come back, they don't say, hey, let's all jump off a bridge. They believe in compassion and that they have uh, a work to complete while yeah. in the body, which is that's, important. That's really, an, uh, yeah, you're right. It's an important point. Uh, if it's so much better over there than it is here, why don't people, and and if God loves us no matter what we do to ourselves or others, which is another kind of new age take on near-death experience, uh, why don't we all just kill ourselves? Why don't we just, you know, throw ourselves off a bridge as soon as we're able? The all-bacon uh, diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and uh, because we've we've learned something more about the nature of love and um, and being channels for God's love here on, on the planet. You know, this was our garden. Adam and Eve were given a garden to tend and we inherited it we're doing a terrible job of it but uh but the capacity to um to save it is probably still there with you know with god's help um and 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 it's all it seems to me to be such an easy thing uh you know it's not an easy thing to do but it's an easy thing to understand that if we could just be channels for god's love you know what it's like it's like that um Hawaiian meditation, the uh, Pono Pono mantra uh, that goes, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. It's kind of the essence of all religion. You know, yeah. if if you could live, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. It, it embodies everything that God asks of us, basically. Uh, if we just dealt with one another in those simple terms, and if we just dealt with... Uh, with what Jesus taught of feeding the hungry and clothing the poor and and uh, scorning the you know the surplus wealth of the of the world in in exchange for you know sharing basically uh, yeah and, this could and be a actually, wonderful place yeah and the mystic tradition does speak about how what we're what we're attached to in this life where our treasure is now does affect where we end up in the future. And so the more loving, more compassionate we are, the less self-centered in this life that determines, you know, where we end up in, in the future or part of our, you know, we're, it, we're I believe, in a very, comp, very nuanced, you know, many, many heavens, many levels, many layers, many realms. And mm-hmm. so uh, what we do in this life does indeed affect the future. Uh, and so it, it really can't be separated out into this life and then eternity, like eternity is on the other side of a concrete wall. It's all our journey, our our story, you know, here as well as there. And as far as the, the idea that this is a matrix world, uh, there's, there's one near-death experiencer who told me when she died and was on the other side and was being given a guided tour, basically, of a beautiful landscape, beautiful fields and woods and so forth. She noticed 
as she looked behind her and she said, and she said it was this, as if the scene was disappearing. And, uh, she asked her guide about it and the guide said, oh, well, this is created for you. So in other words, you know, we talk about this as a virtual world, but that experience of uh, that near death experience that some people experience could be, uh, could be just created for as a personal, uh, connection between uh, between God and the earth. In other words, it's a pl- perhaps a, a way we can understand um, the hereafter. We're understanding the hereafter. In other words, in in our in this in this here term, rather than in some sort of sitting on a cloud with a playing a harp and and blissing out. Right. They they do speak of uh, the ability to create. You know, on the astral level, if you think it, it's, it can be real there. You know, you can mm. conjure up, you know, different realities. And, and that as a technique for newbies, you know, to, that are coming through, you know, to kind of create for them uh, an environment that's a, a good transition or waiting room or foyer <laughs> between mm. worlds. You know, that does make sense. You'd mentioned, um, uh, conversation we've been having that the third heaven is the the garidan the garden of eden um replicated in heaven or perhaps right in the book of enoch yeah it describes the garden of eden as still there mm-hmm. <laughs> so the fall of adam is sort of like falling into the physical realm and being naked as opposed to being this kind of luminous being clothed in light on this other yeah. level so they have yes. it as a kind of present tense reality that we've kind of uh, in a, that that's now invisible to humanity. <laughs> well, and you wonder why it was apart from the world, one way or another. Maybe it was in different dimension, or maybe it was just a fenced off. Somehow there was a great uh, hedge around it that kept kept the um, influences of I don't know dinosaurs, dangerous animals, of hostile people. On the other side, while Adam and Eve were protected, but that I suppose could just have been a a, a shielding of grace as well. And yeah, when they well, realize, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, that, that 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 there is that description, isn't there? Yeah, it is yeah. described as kind of another in another etheric realm, another dimension, um, and is still there. And, and we're 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 trying to regain that and. So I, I think I think climate change actually kind of ties in with that, or, or mitigating climate change and the future of humanity. What choices we will make? Do we want to go toward creating a paradise on Earth or something more hellish? You know, that's really in our in our hands to choose right now. You know, do, what 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 do we want for a future Earth? You know. Uh, that's and maybe our, that our choice, choice is, right now. Maybe that choice and, and the results of our choice is what will be judged by. I mean, we're counting on an all-forgiving God, but if we destroy His creation, He's not going to be too pleased about it. I wouldn't think. No, you know, it, yeah, it, it's it. It would be. It's it's bizarre that religion sometimes is opposed to doing the right thing. You think of religion as appealing to our better nature. Uh, to uh, so you would expect all religions and all denominations to 
be leading the way to fixing climate climate change or global warming rather than being in the way mm. <laughs> of doing something about climate change. Uh, it's weird. Well, it, it is. It's weird and it's sad. <laughs> and it's. It, I think it, it's a fundamental lack of understanding. We say we, you know, we trash this place and then we expect to go on. Well, you know, how many landlords want you to move uptown and give you a better apartment if you've trashed the apartment you've been living in? It's, uh, right. it's just not, it's just not, uh, logical that we would be, uh, and, and you know, if we, if we go to the third heaven and destroy Eden once again, uh, what happens then? Are we are we just going to be forgiven constantly, or do we yeah. lose free will? Do we at that point do we lose our free will and we just do what God asks of us? I think we just would repeat the the cycle, mm. or those folks would just uh, you know be back uh, in a in the physical world like like now to do it to do do it over again like doing over the second grade, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> till we get it right. The, uh, they say the, the death of the Amazon would mean, uh, I think 20% less oxygen in the world for, for our increasing population to breathe. It would be pretty serious. And also there are all these neat plants that are medicinal. Uh, oh, we yes. don't even know much about most of them. I take, uh, uh, it's a asai. It's a berry that's ground up into like, it looks like coffee grounds and you just mm. stir it into your, green tea or whatever. And that comes from South America. And all of those wonderful things, cocoa or cacao, uh, and there's a, there's a million other plants, uh, mm-hmm. exotic plants. The rainforest is a, an ancient, complex uh, world of its own. And there's a lot of cures for diseases and, uh, and wonderful medicinal and, and, and foods, uh, and seeds and nuts and, and fruit. So yeah. it's insane to destroy it. And it actually, sure. uh, they can make more of a mm-hmm. living. Um, and there's been some progress in, in some parts of uh, uh, Brazil selling, you know, acai and other products and making it into a sustainable thing. Who would have thought, <laughs> you know? I so know. It's good to go in that direction. If they took some care and actually sought out the medicine men who might still be around to tell them, which plant and which herb and which mushroom is good for this or that condition, the money they could make selling it to the pharmaceutical industry to synthesize would be vastly <laughs> greater than cutting the whole thing down and planting soybeans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's in our own best interest uh, yeah. to to save the, the Amazon uh, from, uh, from even a capitalist point of view. Uh, right. It makes no sense to destroy such a complex ecosystem uh we're just you know attacking our own future uh, and hopefully they will preserve the rainforest there's a lot of protests and and discussion about boycotting the brazilian economy to try and force them you know to do the right thing or or help help them fight the fires currently going on in the amazon we're trying to nudge them into being because for many years Brazil was fairly, fairly open, to falling short of the goal. But at least they, they seem to be into the idea of preserving the Amazon. Whereas under their current 
current administration, not so much lately. So there's a lot of concern. No, he's a, he's a populist uh, who um, basically gave them a, a, a blanket permission to set fires because a lot of the yeah. local farmers would like to burn an area big enough for them to, to plant a crop, you know, or to graze cattle and um, or sheep, I guess. But um, and now he's created this monster because there's something like 10,000 fires burning and most of them have been set. And he doesn't have the even sending in the army isn't going to be enough to, to put out with the limited equipment they have. The right. whole world, as a matter of fact, should be massing, uh, you know, planes, that, uh, water dropping planes and that sort of thing right now because uh, it's important to everybody, not just to Brazil. Yeah, Bolivia's the got Europeans big are working too. on that or trying to negotiate <laughs> with Brazil about sending in some fire fighters. Right. But if we could just, uh, I mean, the Earth has the capacity to support even a population as large as the one we've got right now. I don't know how much more growth it could sustain. But if we could just uh, get behind birth control and limit the growth of the population, we could have a, you know, we could have a sustainable garden of eden here and then the transition from here to there would be i mean when we when we die would be um so much more mm, in keeping with what we understand uh, god's wishes to be living up to our religions yeah yeah unfortunately yeah, so. uh, yeah okay. some some religions are just so uh antagonistic to the idea of life on earth yeah, except when it comes to, to pastors, except when it comes to pastors who want to have that second jet and, and uh, a bunch of other uh, worldly things that uh, yeah, they, they seem to be doing good. I'm enjoying that series on HBO now. What's it called? The uh, The Righteous Gemstones. It's about uh, one of those one of those. It's kind of a generic corrupt TV evangelist type mission and how they what, what they're like in person behind closed mm-hmm. doors. It's really hilarious. It's a dark comedy. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but uh, we've been watching one on um, Amazon called uh, The Family about this Christian uh, group that uh, sponsors the um, the National Prayer uh, Prayer Day in Washington where all the congressmen and the presidents always come. They've attended since the days of Eisenhower and right, National, National Prayer Breakfast. Right, it's right. run by a group called the Family or the Fellowship. Hmm. They stay they stay very much behind the scenes, but they're pushing a uh, um, conservative Christian agenda on the people in power. They only want to really deal with the with the politicians and the and the wealthy, the oligarchs. And so it's uh, sort of an entity, an, a, a group with an agenda, and we hardly even have heard their name, and yet they're tugging on the uh, on the strings of power in high places exactly wow everyone yeah. blames the illuminati for being the shadow government it's it's uh, <laughs> yes and yet here's the reality right christians are are as guilty as anyone i i guess when it comes to um trying to influence power jesus had nothing to do with it he his he let the Romans be, but he was very tough on the Pharisees, the priests and the Pharisees, who who said one thing and did another. Yes. 
Yeah, it's very anti-Pharisee. There's never a criticism of the Essenes, but yeah, the Sadducees and Pharisees are the ones that are singled out in the in the Gospels as being the chief rivals or in in the way. Mm. <laughs> well, the the Essenes were living a pretty simple life, weren't they? Wasn't it a monastic group? Sort of, yeah. Some of them were. Well, there were some Essenes that lived in cities, uh, householder type Essenes, but they had a the group in Qumran and um, kind of a monastic group. And also in near Alexandria, Egypt, they had a kind of co-ed monastery community or intentional community uh, and some living a more sadhu or monkish type lifestyle, you know, would go to, to those kind of places. And uh, early Christianity is kind of close to the Essene point of view. I think of the, the, the Jesus movement as being the, the grandchildren of the Essenes, or kind of related to the Essenes, sharing a lot of the same beliefs uh, and, and scriptures, too, including the book of First Enoch, <laughs> um, kind of related to, to, to the Essenes, which is why they're not really criticized in the New Testament. You know, because they, they they kind of are related to the Essenes, taking the Essene point of view. Do you think it would have made a difference if the Book of Enoch had been included in the accepted scriptures? Uh, you know, it was kicked out by both the Christian, you know, the Church Fathers and by the um, Jewish hierarchy. So neither tradition was really carrying it on except in Ethiopia. Right. Yeah, the Ethiopian Bible is a little bit closer to the Bible of Jude in the New Testament. The the Epistle of Jude quotes uh, Enoch and refers to a story found in another book called The Assumption of Moses. Um yeah, well, they they got rid of a lot of those a lot of books. We have 27 books of the New Testament, but I'm a fan of uh yeah, second century scriptures and it's a very big collection. You know, you've got like uh uh, scores of Acts of Apostles and scores of Gospels and some Psalms. There's a beautiful collection of Psalms called, it's now called the Odes of Solomon, but it has nothing to do with Solomon. So I just, I like calling it the Book of the Odes. Mm. Uh, beautiful. It's as if the, the composers of the Gospel of John came out with a hymnal. That's what the Odes reads like. You know, it's very, quite beautiful. I've read some passages. I've never read the whole thing. Is it, how, is I should look that up. Yeah, it's one of the greatest collections of psalms, I think, ever. You know, it's kind of right at the crossroads of Judaism and early Christianity, especially Antioch, uh, Gospel of John-type community, kind of related, I think, to the Gospel of John community mm-hmm. that once existed. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of all of the, that second-century Christian scriptures, uh, Gospel of Peter, and I mean, it's it's pretty vast. So they not only selected the books of the can to make up the canon, but they sort of wiped out the library because you have all of these other texts, a huge number, I mean, hundreds of them, mm. and some of them are quite nice. I found. <laughs> now, were the would you say, generally speaking, the Gnostics were uh, scornful of the physical world? Um, of this of the earth, basically, and looking more toward the spiritual. 
Some of them were. The Valentinians seemed to be more of the moderate Gnostics. They they seemed to almost be kind of Catholic in a way. You know, they had mass, and they they seemed more moderate. Uh, certainly part of the belief system uh, of everyone was that the flesh is temporary and the world is a dark place ruled by principalities and powers. And so that, that kind of goes with the the territory mm-hmm. of most uh, religions. Um, One of the things that I've heard from some people who've had out-of-body experiences is that we're surrounded by consciousness, even inanimate objects. Your your desk, <laughs> uh, you're sitting at, um, or and of course living things like trees and and plants and so forth, are manifestations of God's consciousness. Not all vibrating at the same level, of course, but yeah. There's a Rumi a verse of Rumi poetry that speaks of stones as having a slight degree of consciousness. Yeah. So, what I would think that we in our consciousness should respect that consciousness. If we can't deal with, you know, the just the beauty of a physical tree, why not think of the consciousness of the tree? And there's a recent book out about how trees communicate with each other uh, through their root system and and through the air. That is that is phenomenal. I mean, there is a, truly a consciousness, and it's a high high level of consciousness in groups of trees. Right. The secret so, life of plants hook hook lie detectors up to uh, plants and get some sense of reaction. Right. Uh, yeah. So if I mean, there are so many things that we haven't fully investigated here before we uh, start yearning to uh, merge with the light. I think we should. Try merging with a few trees, at least in our own minds, and uh, and and come to understand what uh, what the multiplicity of this creation is all about. Yeah, cre- uh, nature. Uh, you have to have a certain love for nature and the world, uh, meaning the earth, the earth around us. Yeah, yeah. There has to be enough of that, so. So as to counter the the greed, you know, all, all these the decisions to destroy the Amazon rainforest is obviously not made by a nature lover, you know, but someone who's just based in living in a greed greed business bottom line kind of world. Right. And so they're they're not fully awake themselves. You know, they need to you know need to expand their their right. consciousness a bit uh, since their decisions are affecting the future of the world right well if you're burning off a a portion of the, the richness of the amazon rainforest in order to plant you know genetically modified soy crops i mean god help us <laughs> talk about going from a higher vibration to a, a much lower vibration even in the plant world, it's it's a huge mistake. Yeah, just greed in control of the world, plutocracy, a kind of a plutocratic dictatorship, and we're all workers for great plutocrats. Uh, mm. That ultimately is insanity. That is really literally the lemmings running over the cliff. You know, mm. uh, one more profitable quarter before the yeah. end of the world. That's where it goes. 
You know? I know, and and not to think beyond that. Even when you your children and your grandchildren are already facing uh, uh, a a cruel uh, world, you know, coming up very, you know, within a few years, you know, now there 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 was an Australian study that said 2030 was a tipping point, and uh, so it's yeah. it's right around the corner. Yeah, with the climate change, we're way ahead of schedule. Uh, rather than being an overhyped thing, actually, it's happening faster than we realize and is ahead of schedule at every single uh, marking point. And uh, what really concerns me about climate change is as the north melts, that there could be releases of methane that's been held fro- in a frozen state for millions of years or tens of thousands of years. And so all of a sudden, in five years from now, we're already at the 2050 model. Right. You know, we're already there uh, because of all of this melting, uh, causing the methane release. Uh, that's uh, you know, methane in the oceans, methane that's been frozen underground in Siberia and elsewhere in the north. Uh, so all going we're to be bubbling up. Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. We're, so actually, it's it's probably going to be a lot worse. Um, um, but I think I think ultimately I'm optimistic that we'll save most of it. Uh, I think humanity works like like as follows: we lose New Orleans, and then we go, oh, okay, we need to really care. You know, we need a little bit of devastation mm. in order to change the political will. And I, so people aren't rational and looking at science; they just you know read in their headlines about. We've lost a city now. Right. Uh, well, we need leaders will too that re- that will acknowledge that things are being lost. Uh, Trump's take on uh, Puerto Rico, for instance, was left a lot to be desired. Right, they're uh, trying to suppress the scientists or fire the scientists uh, and ignore the science. Uh, or, well, but it's not going to work. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear one hopeful note as we close out for today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, optim- I'm optimistic that will that those who are standing in the way will be voted out of office, and we can get on with uh, fixing climate change. Me too. U- ultimately. Too. Hey, thank you, James. This has been terrific. Um, I'm so glad you could do this and, and last week's show as well. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I'll. I think I guess all I can tell people that uh, missed the conference is um, you'll be able to uh, go online uh, through iands.org and get uh, recordings and I think eventually videos of the major talks that were given there. Uh, so for more on that, please go to iands.org. And if you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our past shows, go to our website at nderadio.org. Join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.